Hey everyone, welcome to the Communication Coach Podcast, where I'm going to help you to create successful change through powerful and honest conversations. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Communication Coach, The Power of Honest Conversations. First of all, I just want to say a really big thank you to all of you who are following me and listening to me and sending me some comments and some suggestions. I'm really grateful for that. I just looked at my statistics on SoundCloud and I actually can't believe that I've reached over 16,500 listeners. For that, That's just phenomenal for me. I'm just sat in, my, in, in Meg's bedroom with my amazing computer and a, a microphone and 16 and a half thousand of you have listened to some of my tracks or all of my tracks and I'm just in I'm just it's beyond what comprehension that that's happened and that hopefully I'm making a difference to you and sharing with you some of the experiences that I've had through my negotiations and also just in life in general with my um, stepdaughter Megan and my businesses and how those negotiations sort of and listening and talking and communication can help in you know not just people in crisis but also in relationships in any sort of relationships and today I'm going to talk about the power of honest conversations and these are ways that I have been affected over the last week or so and I'm just going to share some of those experiences and see if you can relate to them really so I have uh, a small group of friends who I have been friends with since I joined the police in 1986. So I joined the police as a police cadet in 1986 at the very tender age of 18. Obviously, I thought I knew everything at that age of 18 and went to Hendon from my home and stayed there on a residential course. We were allowed home at the weekends after the first four weeks. It was a bit like being in the army for the first four weeks. A bit like being in the army for the rest of the year, really. We were, you know, we were young kids or young adults, I should say, and we were taught discipline, and that that came with a consequence if we failed to. Uh, I'm going to say the word comply. I, it's not quite as strong as that. It didn't feel as strong as that at the time, but certainly for me, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. My mum still says now that she's very grateful that happened to me because she was never quite a hundred percent sure of what I was going to do or how I was going to turn out because. I was quite easily led and could easily fall into the wrong sort of crowd, although I would always say that I had a conscience and with that conscience came thoughtfulness around actually some of these things that I appear to be surrounded with don't feel very comfortable with me and they don't fit my values. Obviously, at that age, I didn't know what that was, but as I've got older, I recognise that more. And now as I'm, gosh, I'm 50, I can't even believe I'm saying that, but as I say that, you know, things have dramatically changed in my life and the way that I think and feel about things. As, as some of you can probably relate to as you get older, you do start to change your thought processes through the experiences that you've had. And we, I was lucky enough to spend some time with my four friends who I'm very close with. We share a lot. We've shared a lot over the years. And we have that just that natural sort of conversation whereby we we meet every six months to a year and even though we've had that gap in between it's like nothing has changed so we can always pick up the conversation there's always lots to be said as you can imagine and uh, lots to be listened to and I really noticed that with this particular group of friends we have really honest 
open conversations about everything that is important to us from dealing with the tragic deaths of siblings or parents or friends to illness to happiness to stories of happiness to stories of change of relationships of marriages of work and when I was sitting there listening to the conversations as I often do is listen to what other people are saying and how they're interacting and then we all sort of share our stories with each person it's not a deliberate act it kind of just happens where we share we just end up sharing with everybody and each of those people will give you a different perspective on a challenge you might be facing or or something that's going on in your life not giving advice but just sort of suggestions and it's it's almost like a a coaching session which isn't a coaching session and we used to meet each other once so we would meet and stay over for one night at a different friend's house but now we've uh, made that two nights because we were finding that it, it, we were like arriving at the, our destination having a very quick chat over an evening meal and then ha- all having to go the next day whereas we found if we have that day in between we can really spend some good quality time with each other you know that real quality time that sometimes you don't get with people because you're always rushing around and you're always very busy in your own lives so it was really great just to take some time out of the businesses some time out of family life just to spend time with friends it's not something that we do very often and it's something that I'm very grateful for and very appreciative of and as I was listening to everybody else's conversation and listening to the words that people were giving back to me when I was talking about things that are going on in the business, things that are going on in my life. I find it really interesting how we take advice from friends or suggestions from friends or even from coaches. So I have a a business coach. I'm part of a business coaching program. And I find that fascinating that I'll take advice from Kev, my coach, or I'll listen to what he's saying. And yet when my partner has probably said the same thing, I'll give a defensive reaction back. And we were talking about this. We were talking about, you know, I always remember my dad teaching to me, me to drive and he was a very patient man. Actually, having a stranger teach me to drive was a lot easier because there's not that emotional connection. So when the driving instructor tells you something to do or not to do, you're more likely to take it from them than you would do from if your partner was teaching you or your parents because you've got that emotional connection. And when you have that emotional connection, it's a lot harder <laughs> to take. We, we become a little bit defensive. And I wonder if you can relate to this where you have had a challenge in your, your perhaps your partner or or a, a child or your parents have given you some advice and you've given it some pushback because you're like, hang on a sec, that's just not what I want to hear. And yet then when somebody else has given you that same piece of advice, or perhaps in a different worded way, you're more likely to accept it because they don't have that emotional attachment to you so uh, uh, my friend was talking about her mum and sadly her dad died and her mum has struggled to with moving house and of course that whole new dynamic being a single person rather than being married for so many years and having to adjust your life in in just such a huge and challenging way and the advice that she would give to her mum and the help that she gave to her mum and yet her mum would push back and then when her, then her mum would kind of have a conversation with her a few weeks later about she was talking to a friend and her friend said that that might be a good idea and she thought oh well actually that would be a good idea and her sitting there thinking well, that's odd because that's kind of the same conversation 
that we were ha having a few weeks ago and you didn't like the idea. And I think probably we can all relate to that. This, If you're a parent, you can definitely relate to that. I know that sometimes when I give advice to Meg, it will be pushed back on. But then if one of her teachers gives it to her or a friend gives it to her, then we'll will um she'll accept it more from them than she will unless it's worded in a, p a particular way and yet honest conversations are are such a powerful i believe a real powerful tool that we all have but a lot of us won't use so and we won't use it because fear of the conflict or fear of the pushback and we have to find a different way to have that conversation because often when we're having it it, it, it means that we might bring ourselves into conflict of somebody else's beliefs or or a pushback because people don't want to hear what we might have to say and so there are, are ways of having honest conversations and yet they are the most powerful I believe that if we don't have honest conversations then what happens is that relationships can break up because we haven't shared what we're really feeling um, I certainly found through negotiation when speaking to people in in crisis that for some reason they will share with you the stranger and and again I come back to the emotional attachment but they will share with you the stranger the most intimate details of their life or the, the most intimate challenges that they have in their life because you're not going to give them that judgment that they perhaps expect from friends and family and it's like perhaps you, when you go on holiday and you meet complete strangers, you end up sharing quite intimate details about your life or a challenge that you might be having. And often we, I believe, we do this because you don't get that judgment from people that you, that know you, so they get that a different perspective. And it's the same when I have my business coaching with Kev. He gives me a different perspective, and it might be that my other half has already given me that perspective. But because we're so close in it together. I don't see it and I find it a challenge rather than a constructive way of helping. So we were having these conversations and it's so lovely to be able to have honest conversations and not to have that judgment and not to have that that sort of emotional pressure whereby you feel that you can't be honest. And those that time with them is in incredibly precious and I think mainly because we just have such honest conversations and when I'm looking I was recently listening to the book Outliers and gosh the name of the author completely escapes me at the moment but it's Outliers it's on audio or on Amazon uh, Malcolm Gladwell there you go I knew it would come back Malcolm Gladwell it's a book by him and he talked about outlines why people are incredibly successful and he's just looked at a variety of things but one of the stories that he talks about is about airlines and how they've looked at airline crashes and the re voice recordings and the decision making within the cockpit and Korean airlines I'll cut this really short it's a great book if you ever get the opportunity to read it or listen to it but I found it really interesting around the communication aspect. So, for example, Korean Airlines, they had the worst history of air crashes. And so they investigated this and looked at why that was. And th there's a lot of it is to do with culture around subordinates talking to 
their superiors and not challenging things. So there was a, some crashes that happened because there was no challenge put in place. If you just heard a load of singing and a door slamming, <laughs> that's Meg wandering around. This is the beauty of doing a podcast from from a bedroom is um, you get the background noise. I don't have the dogs today, but that was Meg <laughs> wandering around downstairs singing her head off, as is often <laughs> she can be found doing. So apologies if that came across on the podcast. But going back to the airlines, gosh, that's a completely different subject, isn't it? Going back to the airline uh, crashes at the Korean airlines, they found that because there wasn't these honest conversations in the cockpit and there was always these mitigating circumstances. So, for example, they were looking at what happened um, when one of their airlines crashed into the side of a mountain and they weren't far away from the runway and all the things that went on behind there. And you could hear the um, first officer talking to the the captain, the head pilot. I'm sorry, I'm not great with how the structure works in the airline world. And he would be suggesting things and also to air traffic control, but it was suggestion with mitigation. So he never said, we're running out of fuel. We do not have the fuel to circle around again. We have to come in and land right now. He never said those words. And yet that was what was happening. And he never said those words because of this, because there was a different culture, because he couldn't get past the barrier of not being disrespectful, but telling a superior what they should be doing. And sadly, because of that, and because of other things, obviously, but that was one of the contributing factors, the plane crashed, killing a lot of people. Now, it's it's not to that extreme, obviously, but I found that fascinating that that was around an honest conversation and that there was a cultural barrier. And I sometimes wonder what barriers we have in our own lives that stop us from having those honest conversations, that fear of upsetting somebody. Perhaps you know people where you have to walk around on eggshells because you're worried about the emotional response that you're going to get from them. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and they had a, a, a business relationship that was very much like that, whereby they would walk around on eggshells, afraid to say exactly what they meant and how they felt and yet the relationship with their other half and the business partner was very different because they had honest conversations and said what they felt whilst whereas the other person was just trying to appease a lot of the time and be that submissive role and when I talk about submissive role there's sort of in psychology and in conflict management there's lots of research that's been done on around this around this the three main character types that are in any sort of discussion or or debate or roles, and they are submissive, assertive, and aggressive. And it's interesting because Meg was doing this at school, which I just find fascinating, and I really wish I had learned all of these things at school myself. But when you talk about submissive, assertive, and aggressive, that's a typical relationship there where you have three different characters. You have the submissive, you have the aggressive, and you have the assertive. So you have you have the, uh, the lady I know being submissive, you have the business partner to her being aggressive to get their own way and then you have um, her husband being assertive so the relationship is different and I found that very interesting as well around that honest conversation and when you're assertive you have honest conversations and the difference between assertive and aggressive I believe is the emotion so when you're aggressive you generally come at, 
come at things from an emotional point of view and you're not able to have a logical argument. It's very emotional. It's all about you. It's all about your ego. It's all about what you believe to be right. And the only way that you're going to get that across is to use it in an emotional format, which makes you more aggressive. And perhaps you you know people who are like this. Perhaps you're like this yourself. I'm, I know that I'm sometimes like this myself, that when I'm having an emotional conversation where I believe that I'm right, um, that can become, I can certainly sound more aggressive and I'll certainly defend my position in a more aggressive way than I would do if I'm just using my logical non-emotional brain which is is assertive and that's when you you do question the rights and the wrongs of something that's happening in front of you not in a like oh you're wrong you're really wrong but a can you just explain that decision to me so i I have a better understanding of it because i can appreciate more about what you're saying and then you can then you can have more details around what they're saying and make a more informed decision Whereas if you're submissive, you just let them walk all over you or you say what you want to say, but you say it with mitigation. So so it actually doesn't come out <laughs> the way that you're that you want it to say. So rather. So for in that example, it, it would be we don't have enough fuel. We need to land now. And no, we can't circle it again. You've got to get us down now. This is an emergency. Whereas the conversation was very different, more along the lines of from the air traffic controller saying, right, you're going to circle again, and that would be like, okay. Uh, and then then them asking, do you have enough fuel? And the, the reply was, well, I kind of guess so, which wasn't the correct, which wasn't the truth, which wasn't the honest conversation, So for, because of fear around that whole rank in culture. And I found that very interesting. So when you're talking to people, be mindful of, are you having an honest conversation? When you, you're having a relationship breakdown, and we all have them, whether it's with people at work because we don't want the honest conversation because we're worried about what we're going to get back. So if you work with somebody who's very emotionally driven and you find it very difficult to have an, an honest conversation with them, because let's face it, a lot of people we don't like to have honest conversations with is because they're going to get very emotional and they're going to give kickback of some sort. And it's tiring. It's hard work sometimes to have those conversations. Whereas if you're an assertive person, you'll go into the conversation in a way and you'll plan the conversation. So let's say you have an issue at work with somebody in the office. It can be as simple as it can be as simple as them taking the mickey out of you regularly. And actually it's beginning to really grind you down or wind you down or they keep turning up late. And it's not being addressed by anybody and it's having an, an impact. Now, there might be 101 reasons why they're turning up late. There might be 101 reasons why they they do what they do and it will all be driven by what they believe to be true and their values and beliefs. Mm. But you can practice the conversation and you can think about what motivates this person? What is it that they believe to be true? And you can always start the conversation with that. So, for example, I always know that if I was going to speak to somebody in crisis standing on the edge of the building, they would always tell me to go away because it's a natural human instinct. And I did enough negotiations to know that that was generally the response. They would either ignore me or they would always tell me to go away. So I would have some reasons as to why that's just not going to happen. You know, I'm not just going to walk away from somebody that's standing on the edge of a building. Of course I'm not. But if they're emotionally driven and they're trying to make a decision about 
a real life-changing aspect, then they're going to ask me to go away so that they can have quiet for whatever reason or they don't want to be distracted or they don't know me or they're ashamed. There'll be 101 reasons of what's going on for them. So I would always have some ideas in my own mind about what I might say to them. It's the same with Meg about if, although it's not so bad now, but certainly when she was younger, never wanted to go to bed because she didn't want to miss out on what was happening. So there would always be some reasons that I could find that bed was a good option here and now. Now, don't get me wrong, of course, that didn't work every time, but there are reasons. I find now if I'm going to talk to a member of the team and I would like them to do something that's a little bit against what they believe to be true, then we'll have a conversation and I'll approach it from. So I and I'll probably say something like, I appreciate you feel this, this and this. Um, and I get why you, why you do, because I believe it's because this isn't this. And they'll either nod and agree or they'll say, no, it's actually this. And then if they say, no, it's actually this, then I'm in a better position to say, oh, okay, well, I understand that more. And then I will be able to just explain to them my decision making, open and honest. I'm very open and honest in my business. And I'm, we talk about profit and loss and we talk about where we are in the business because I believe that empowers people to um, come up with ideas. And I've seen that happen when I've been open and honest with people that I w work with. And they they come up with far greater ideas than I do because I believe we've created that kind of atmosphere. Now, I'm sure if you ask one of them, they'd probably say, well, sometimes actually Nick gets in the way of our decision making. And we have conversations ar around that and how that might work. So if you're going to speak to somebody and to you're going to be more assertive maybe it is somebody who takes the mickey out of you every day and they think it's funny and they probably don't even realize the effect that it might be having on you perhaps a way to approach that would be to list out some reasons as to why you think they do it but also list out the reasons of the impact that it's having on you and then just go and have a very honest conversation. Not in front of everybody in the office. Maybe just take them to one side and say, okay, so I don't know if you're aware that when I walk into the office and you shout a nickname across the office at me, it makes me, I, it doesn't make me, let's take responsibility for our feelings. I feel, I feel embarrassed because it, I feel like everybody is looking at me and I would just like you to stop doing that so that when I walk into that office, I am not worried about you shouting across because it's getting to the stage now where I'm actually beginning to dread coming into work because as soon as I walk through the door, the first thing that happens is that you shout at me or you'll shout a, a Mickey, ta what I perceive as a Mickey taking phrase at me and I'd like you to stop, please. So you're being assertive. You're taking responsibility for your own feelings and you're addressing their behaviour. Now, it might be that they don't do anything and that you have to find a different way of addressing that. But by being assertive, you keep doing it. So if you go in the next day and nothing has changed and they're doing it again, then I would have the same conversation and say, I asked you yesterday not to do this. I explained why I would like you not to do this. Please could you explain to me what it is exactly about shouting out a mickey taking name as soon as i walk through the office that makes you do it every single day and question the behavior and then <coughs> see what answers you get back and then you can keep doing that in, in a variety of different ways until the behavior stops or the behavior 
changes because often what happens especially with bullying behavior is that the person is allowed to get away with quite a lot of things because it's never addressed because we're not assertive enough and generally in life i found when you're assertive with somebody it changes and you never have to have rude assertive aggressive conversations there is always a, a way to address them and people might look at you sometimes and raise an eyebrow but that doesn't matter because it, it is about having those honest conversations and often i see families break up or relationships break up because that honest conversation has never been had and i know when i look back at my own relationships that at the time weren't necessarily right anyway but i would just go along with them but also there was a definite you know from my perspective that was about me and not having those honest conversations sometimes taking uh, coward is probably a too strong a word but uh, maybe the easy option taking the easy option out rather than having on honest conversations and we all like often here i don't want to tell them because i don't want to hurt them which i also find interesting and fascinating because that's actually all about us and the worry that if we do hurt them of the emotional reaction that we're going to get back. doesn't make it right, doesn't make it wrong. I just believe that often we don't say how we're genuinely feeling and we'll put a caveat of because I don't want to hurt them. Well, that is about you, I'm afraid, and that's about what you believe to be true and not necessarily the truth. And often we end up living a lie because using the caveat of I don't want to hurt the other person. It would really hurt them if I left. It would really hurt them if I told them I was having an affair. It would really hurt them if they found out the truth. Yes, it might really hurt them, but I would question who you're actually protecting there and what that actually means. That's just my point of view, of course, um, and I know that my opinion is my opinion. I get that. But certainly through my experience, I found that when you're not honest with people, then it does create that barrier and it just does create the... Um, sort of breakdown in, in communication which in the end causes the breakdown in relationships and when you see relationships go wrong and you see families or you see partnerships break up or even friendships it's often because there has been a communication breakdown and somebody hasn't quite been honest in that conversation honest conversations are very powerful they are a way forward i know when i've worked with families who have had loved ones taken from them that power of honest conversations, you have to have those honest conversations to build relationships and to build trust. Because if you don't, you're not going to go anywhere and there is a life at stake. So it's interesting that we have those conversations when there's a life at stake and yet when we're in day-to-day -day routine, we don't have such honest conversations. So that's it from me. That's my view around those and how they work and how we can use them in our life and the ways of doing it. Remember, submissive, aggressive, and assertive, who are you? I used to always be submissive, always say sorry for the sake of sorry. I still quite often put mitigation when I'm asking people to do things. I'm working on that myself. Where are you in that? Are you the aggressor? Are you the assertive one? Are you submissive? And think about those honest conversations that you could be having in your life to improve and enhance your relationships rather than walking away from them because it's the easier option because you know that you'll get that emotional response. Right, have a great week. I'm really lucky I've got the week with my family this week, my mum and dad and my sister and niece. I'm really looking forward to that. 
Thank you all again for listening in. It's greatly appreciated. Please let me know if I can help you in any way, shape or form. Otherwise, have a great Easter is coming up. So have a great Easter or just have a great week, whatever you're doing. Hey everybody, Nikki again. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for joining me. You can find me on social media at Nikki Coms Coach at Twitter and The Communication Coach on Facebook and thecommunicationcoach.co.uk. Please like, share and review and I look forward to speaking to you soon.